Hello and welcome to the latest Guernsey Green Finance podcast, which is rated one of the top 10 most useful sustainable finance podcasts by the Green Finance Guide. Guernsey is one of the jurisdictions leading the way in green and sustainable finance. And as part of this podcast series, we're speaking to and learning from some of the leading global figures in the field. My name is Rosie Alsop. I am Communications Director at We Are Guernsey, the promotional agency for Guernsey's finance industry. And I'm delighted to be speaking today with Duncan Grierson, who's Chief Executive and Founder at Climate. Welcome, Duncan. Um, To introduce you to our listeners, can you just tell me a bit about how you ended up working in this area of green finance, Um, a little bit about Climate and a bit about your backstory? Yeah, hi Rosie. Yeah, delighted to be here. Thanks, thanks for inviting me. Um, yeah, so Climate, um, Climate is a it's a smartphone app, um, a fintech, if you like, that makes it super easy for anyone to invest in companies that are already having an impact on climate change. And um, I mean, my background is it's it's I've, I've been in sustainability for almost twenty years. I was originally um, in the in the world of finance by venture capital. I was a venture capitalist. I was investing in in startups. And then the last 18 years, I've been building and investing into companies in the area of climate tech, or clean tech, it used to be called. So um, I've been sort of deep in the weeds of sustainability for, for quite a long time. And in climate, really, the, the genesis of the idea was I was, I was thinking about raising a, a venture capital fund to invest into early stage companies making an impact on climate change, so clean energy and clean tech. And um, but I was also noodling on the idea of building a community, a community of people online that wanted to have an impact. And so really with Climate, we're really combining both of those those ideas and we're making it super easy for anyone to to invest in a, in a range of themes from clean energy, which is most obviously things like solar and wind, but also clean tech. So the supply chain for um, clean energy in particular, but also smart mobility. So electric mobility, electric vehicles in particular, and then also sustainable food. That's a growing theme for us. We think that's a really interesting area. As we, as users, consumers, citizens, we we change our dietary habits as we move more towards plant-based foods. There's a bit that's sort of a mega trend we see. Um, and then another major theme for us is circular economy, which is sort of a, the next phase of recycling. We think there's some really interesting companies that are um, building businesses, business models around the circularity of, of the things we use in our lives. So how can you get more more life out of your out of your clothing, for example? So yeah, so it's it's been a long journey into the space, um, but I guess my experience prior to Climate, um, sort of connecting the dots backwards, as it were. Uh, I think gives me some quite interesting insights into the kinds of companies that we can help other people invest into. That's really interesting um, to hear that. And I can totally see why your journey has brought you uh, to to found Climate. Um, We haven't spoken with many venture capital investors yet on the podcast. How important do you think the role of VCs are in funding climate adaption and mitigation? Yeah, I do think it's important. I think that there are already a lot of proven technologies out there, in particular solar and wind. Um, and there's some there's very various bits of research that solar and wind alone with with new energy storage technologies can can account for 75% of what we need to decarbonize the energy system. 
but that still leaves 25%. Um, and and that, that extra 25%, that extra piece that will get us to, to, to net zero, we do need newer technologies. And, and typically these technologies do take some time to bring down the cost curve. So solar, for example, you know, solar has dropped dramatically. It's dropped over 90% in cost over the last 20, 30 years. So it's now much, much cheaper than it used to be. Now, solar is at cost parity or cheaper than coal now in most parts of the world. So we should be installing lots more solar. And, and wind is similar. We've now got these very large wind farms, particularly offshore wind, making a massive difference on decarbonizing our energy system. But there is this extra extra bit that we need to, to, to get funded, to get proven technologies in, in the market. And for that, we do need earlier stage funding. And so venture capital can play, I think, a significant role. But I wouldn't overplay it. I think also governments have got a role to play here. So we typically will need match funding, um, sub, some sort of subsidy systems uh, to also help fund um, this 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 need for um new technologies to 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 get into the market yeah I, I would agree with that now larry fink chief executive of blackrock recently said that the next thousand unicorns uh, billion dollar startups for those who don't know will be in climate tech do you agree and uh what do you think are the growing themes that we're seeing in climate tech i know that you mentioned sustainable food a second ago is there anything else I think mobility, mobility is another obvious one. You know, the, the move towards electric vehicles. I think that's been a long time coming. Definitely. There's yeah, and it's it's there's a lot of proven technology now. Obviously, you know, Mr. Musk in California has dragged the whole of the mobility, the whole of the automotive industry, uh, much more quickly than they would have otherwise done into the electric space, and that that is fantastic. And he's obviously built a whole load of wealth around that as well. And I think you know we'll we'll see similar things in other parts. We're seeing also you know, sort of in the in the other parts of the mobility space. And it's not just hardware; it's also software. I mean, a lot of these businesses are now being um, enabled by clever software. So we're also interested in software as as as, as well as hardware. But yeah, but back on food, I think food is particularly interesting. You know, around twenty percent of carbon emissions are because of the food uh, supply chain. And how we waste food. So we waste a huge amount of food, you know, in the field and in the transportation um, of food to get to our supermarkets and then get to our tables. And so there are lots of clever new technologies that are coming through. They're not yet at um, super cost effective. And uh, for example, vertical farming. You know, I've, I've first invested in a couple of vertical farming businesses. And that's the ability to grow uh, sort of leafy greens in a in a tray system in a little sort of ro robotic factory um, close to where you live. So you re massively reduce the wastage and you also reduce the transportation of, of those kinds of foods. And, and currently, uh, many of them are focused on kind of leaf leafy greens, but they're also extending into other, other foods. So I think there's, there's a tremendous opportunity for innovation, new technology, in the food sector and you know as that comes through it'll naturally create a lot of value for the people who are founding and building those businesses sounds the vertical farming sounds absolutely fascinating that's the sort of thing that uh guernsey could really get behind we've got a long history of horticulture and a lot of glass houses here that aren't used anymore that's um yeah that's fascinating now you told us a little bit about climate uh and you know fintech focused investing for climate impact can you tell us a bit more about the companies that you're investing in? 
Yeah, for sure, Rosie. So we've got six core themes. Um, I think I touched on so clean energy, clean technology, smart mobility, sustainable food, clean water, and circular economy. And uh, perhaps it's best by sort of giving examples. So I mean, clean energy is an obvious one. Um, you know, we've, we've invested into a, a range of um, solar and wind developers. So they put large solar fields up. Um, that's such clean energy. And then in the clean text piece, that can often be the supply chain for clean energy or clean mobility. So a good example, there would be Vestas, which is one of the world's leading manufacturers of wind turbines. And uh, they've, they've done incredibly well. And, you know, Denmark actually punches well above its weight you know, for a population of, of 5 million. They've also got one of the uh, early adopters or um, the, the fastest adopters of, of wind as, as developers, as a company called Orsted, which has also been a very successful investment um, for, 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 for uh, many people. Um, and then I guess, what else? In the software, in the software piece, so there's a company called Active in America, an American uh, business that does software for electric vehicles. And also uh, for autonomous vehicles, we, you know, at some point we will have robotic uh, taxis driving us around. That's probably some way off, but you know, they they are working um, in in that space. So it's just a whole range of of different companies and, and themes. But everything we invest into has a core product that is making a a positive difference on reducing carbon. So these are not this is not ESG investing, which I think we'll probably touch on at some point. In this call, it's a it's a big topic, ESG. But we we are, we don't see ourselves as an ESG investor. We go much further than ESG, and we only invest in companies that are having a positive impact on climate change. So um, so yeah, we're very focused, and it's kind of yeah, we do what we say on the tin. You know, it's in our name, climate, and and that's what we're focused on. Yeah, very much so. Now, um, cast your mind back a couple of weeks to COP twenty six. There was a lot of discussion around reporting uh, and standards. Um, I'm interested, Duncan, how do you measure and report impact? So we, I mean, within our app, we provide a couple of different metrics to, to, to our customers, and we provide data around, and it's personalised data. So depending on how much you've, you've invested with us, we, we, we show two metrics. One is the amount of carbon emissions that have been abated by the companies in your portfolio. And we also show the amount of clean energy, because that's another core theme for us, the amount of clean energy that has been created by the companies in your portfolios. We try to, if you like, simplify, and we use some graphics uh, for this and make it nice and easy to understand what the sort of the, the, the impact of the companies and where your money's been going. And, and how do we do that? So we have a lot of data. Uh, we have three different uh, external data providers, so specialist data providers that give us data around the underlying carbon and clean energy from the companies in our portfolio. And we also have our own data set that, that, we're, that we're building out. And it's, it's, it's complex. There's over 400 stocks in our portfolio. So it's a lot of data. Um, and we think that's how you, know, how you build a, a proper portfolio rather than, than relying on perhaps sort of ESG screening type tools. Um, we think you really need to dig into the data. What is the carbon impact and, and how much clean energy is being generated. Okay. Now, one of the things that didn't come out of COP, which um, many thought or rather hoped would happen, was an agreed-upon carbon price. Now, do you think uh, that's a, a useful lever for the finance industry? Do you think it would help with measurement and reporting? 
Yeah, for sure. I think this is the biggest. That, that was really the most disappointing thing that didn't come out of COP, and I think it probably wasn't a surprise because it is, it is a a big thing because um, it will impact um, many people, uh, many countries around the world. But it's the biggest tool we've got. You know, having mm-hmm. a a top down lever like a carbon price to drive um, behavior, a consumer consumers away from carbon heavy products. So. The carbon is in everything we do from the moment we wake up in the morning, from the food we eat, from the clothes we wear, from how we transport ourselves, from the energy we use in our homes. But it's literally in everything we do because everything we we use has had to be made and a lot of it has been made using dirty fuels. And so it's everywhere. Um, and so if we can if we can have a carbon price, so prices in the the negative externalities to get technical for for a moment then that will naturally drive us as consumers as users away from products that are heavy in carbon and that's but that's a big ask and right now we've got a kind of a carbon a carbon system uh, where you can buy carbon offsets for you know single digit euros and that doesn't make any sense to me because the true price of carbon is is much higher than that many people think it's somewhere between 50 and 100 dollars a ton so right now our system is it's kind of broken. It's not really effective, and we really do need top-down um, agreement on this from from governments. Having said that, there's lots we can do as consumers, and that's really what we're trying to facilitate with, with climate. We're trying to make it super easy for any, anyone to have an impact, you know, with with their money, with their savings, and seeing we'll have, we'll have a pension product as well. And so it's you know we need all of it. It's such a massive problem we face, climate change, that we need government. We need companies, and we need we need ourselves as citizens to be all making you know an, an effort towards this this big challenge. Yeah, absolutely. That driven by consumers, it's you know what you're prepared to um, uh, you know spend your pay packet on is is so so important as well as what companies and governments are doing now. Climate operates um, across fintech and clean tech worlds, which are you know I'm sure you know very different spaces. How can they work together? Yeah, I think they can work together in quite a, in a, in a number of ways. I mean, you're right that, you know, clean tech historically has been sort of very physical, if you like, very kind of um, asset heavy. Um, but I think there's also, you know, really interesting opportunities around, you know, in the digital space, around software. And I guess what we're doing is trying to help bring that together um, with, a, you know, a, a, a digital product or a digital platform that can enable um, in lots of different ways. And I guess one of the most obvious ways is community. So we've all got smartphones in our hands. Uh, many of us are, are too much of the time, and we're all a little bit addicted to them. I know I am, <clears throat> and uh, and we, but we have this kind of this amazing communication tool. So what what how can we bring these worlds together? Well, we can build communities of people who want to have an impact, and and there's different ways of doing that. And there's one tool that some of the banks are beginning to use, and they are. Um, they begin to provide you, you provide you with your carbon footprint. So they look at what you're spending your money on and tell you, you know, is that a good unquote, um, quote unquote product or, or a bad one? You know, how's the how's the carbon footprint on that? So that's I think that's a useful tool, and I think you'll see more more and more of that. And I think you'll see more and more of other platforms that are trying to bring people together. Um, you know, be, be it around a carbon footprint or be it around you know different products you can. You can access or just generally around education and and content and i think you know th- there's lots of people working on in, in, in these places so that's kind of how you can 
you can use, you know, the, the world of fintech and, and clean tech together and particularly using, you know, the, the smartphone as a, as a platform. I think that's fascinating. I think if everybody calculated their own individual uh, CO2 footprint uh, and actually saw, you know, the impact that they as a human being are having, um, I think that's a really powerful thing. So, uh, let's talk about COP again. Our green finance manager, uh, Stephanie Glover, and our green and sustainable finance strategic advisor, Josephine Bush, uh, were both lucky enough to attend COP in Glasgow. And they said all the people working across the finance centre they spoke with, um, it was the first time they'd attended such an event. And it really felt like this COP was, um, for want of a better expression, finance COP where the industry was really engaged in creating real momentum for sustainable investing. Um, I'm interested to know what your thoughts are on this. Do you feel it's galvanised the industry? And what are you expecting in terms of tangible action plans from the finance industry, Duncan? Do you know, I, I, I do think it has. I think, I think that's, that's one of the positive things that came out of COP is there's definitely a, a much bigger focus now. And I think, you know, I think COVID has helped that. I think a lot of people have been thinking much more about how they live and and what we can do in a different way because we we have you know we have a beautiful planet to live on and we're currently damaging it destroying it and so um, I think I think there is much more momentum um, generally coming out of COP and you know one of those was this huge number that Mark Carney from Governor um, at the Bank of England mentioned um, that there's 130 trillion pounds worth of investment that the largest financial institutions around the world can put to work to to make net zero happen by by 2050 and sort of based on you know science science targets and that that was very encouraging of course it's got to happen now but it does feel like there's a lot of movement there's a lot of goodwill there's a lot of positive energy and i think also turning it on its head a little bit there's an opportunity here you know as a as a as an investor you can actually make great investments you know there are there are so many mega trends that are happening, you know, we, we spoke about sustainable food earlier, the move towards plant-based um, foods and, and liquids, you know, people are drinking less milk than they were, they're, they're buying, you know, plant-based products, for example. I think, the, the, you know, people are psyching more than, than, they, than they would have done um, previously. I think there's sort of, there are mega trends. And as we, as consumers, move away from carbon-heavy products to lighter things, things that are, that are better for the environment, then if you invest in those companies, as an investor, it seems quite likely that you're going to do well. And we're actually, we're already seeing that with our portfolio, which has done incredibly well in the, in, in the first 12 months. So, so kind of flipping it on its head that we've got this massive problem. It's a lot of doom and gloom. There's these apocalyptic images that, that, you know, came out of Germany with the mass floods this summer, you know, Germany, one of the richest countries in the world. Crikey, if, if it's happened to them, you know, just on yeah. doorstep. And I, so I think, the 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 ability to kind of galvanize that capital but also think about it in a positive way that actually we can create jobs we can create value you know there's a trend tremendous business opportunity here as well so i think i do think coming out of cop a lot of minds are now very much focused on it and and perhaps a lot of people are seeing it as a business opportunity but that's just fine as long as we're putting money to work in in the in the right places that's that's got to be a good thing so yeah i, I do think that it, it galvanized a lot of people in the finance world no, that's good. That's that's. I'm I'm enjoying your optimism 
Um, now, you said earlier on we would probably touch on ESG as part of this conversation. You recently published an article with The Economist on ESG is BS. Uh, can you tell me a bit more about that? Can you explain um, uh, what the article was about and what some of the issues with ESG are? Yeah, we, we I mean, essentially, we see ESG as a, a massively missed opportunity. You know, there are the trillions of pounds, dollars have moved into ESG branded label funds in the last few years. And I think the underlying investors, you know, probably think that they're doing good with their money. But actually, what ESG is, is really just a, a, a series of screening tools to move your, your, move your money out of perhaps the, the very bad companies into slightly less bad companies. And so there's some research that The Economist itself published just a few months, months ago. I think it was back in May this year, uh, May 2021, that the top 20 ESG funds in the world, so the largest 20 ESG funds in the world, have on average 17 fossil fuel companies in their portfolio. And that's on average. Wow. Um, so which, which is just mind boggling. If, if you think that you're investing into companies that are having a, a, an impact on climate change, which is wh where we are, then you're actually sadly going to be, um, you know, mistaken or potentially even misled if you're investing mm -hmm. into an ESG label fund, because you're not, you're, you're investing in, uh, you know, uh, at least a piece of your money is going to fossil fuels. And that's, you know, that doesn't seem right. And the other thing is, it's not just fossil fuels. There's also a lot of big tech. So um, the likes of, uh, you know, Microsoft and Facebook are typically in the top five investments in a lot of those ESG funds as well. And that was some research coming out, out of MSCI um, earlier this year. So it seems, it seems an incredibly wasted opportunity to point this money at the wrong industries when we have this massive challenge. And so there's this bazooka of money, this tsunami of money, um, as I put in that article, that, that, is, that could be pointed in, in the right direction. We should be putting this money or a lot more of it into companies that are you know, trying to have an impact on climate change and clean energy and clean, and clean technology and smart mobility and sustainable food, where there are also tremendous opportunities. So it seems completely bonkers to us and, a, and actually a massive distraction you know, this is perhaps the biggest point of, of, of the article was we are, it's almost like a paracetamol. It's like we're, we've got this incredible, you know, headache and we're giving ourselves a little paracetamol. It's not really solving the problem. Um, it's just making us feel a little bit better because we think we're, we're investing in an ESG fund. And, and so we think we, 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 we should do a lot better with our money. And so it was a bit of a, a career to curve. It's a little bit of a, you know, a, a call out that those ESG funds should be, you know, perhaps doing a much better job. And that's really where we're sort of, and we're a tiddly little company. We're growing fast with 36 people. Um, we're growing our user base week on week very, very nicely, but um, we're, we're not going to solve this problem alone. We need the whole of the wealth management, the asset management, the financial services industry to be putting, putting much more resource into the companies that have genuinely low carbon products and services and not just not just slightly greener uh fossil fuel company no i agree i agree um and there is a huge risk of greenwashing in this space it's something uh in guernsey that that we're very aware of and we've been doing a huge amount to avoid um for example the guernsey green fund regime is regulated and any kite marked fund has to meet internationally agreed criteria our regulator checks those funds do exactly what they say on the tin uh, and that that you know clearly is a good thing 
Um, we've also had many conversations around whether companies should divest from their fossil fuel assets or they should embrace shareholder activism. What are your thoughts here, Duncan? Well, we're we. I mean, we we are such a small company right now that that our our focus is very kind of pure play, if you like. So we're only putting people's money into companies making a difference. But if you're a much much asset, larger asset manager, you've you've kind of got a structural issue if you're managing trillions of dollars pounds. You've 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 got to make a call on this. And I think if you manage that amount of money, then yes, you should be engaging in shareholder activism because you, you you've you're likely to have to put some of those funds outside of your ESG branded portfolios, your sort of more generalist funds uh, that you're holding for pensioners, um, you're likely to have to put some of that into some of these some of these dirtier industries, at least for a period of time. And therefore, you should be um, much more vocal and active in how you engage with those companies and push them much harder on the energy transition. You know, there is a lot of very um, good investments being made <clears throat> in, in all these kind of heavy carbon industries. And so, I think that's that is right. Um, we sh- we should be encouraging our you know the, the the very large asset managers to be much more um, vocal and engaged. And and there's a lot of talk about this. You know, I think some of them are more engaged than others. I think some are um, perhaps more on the greenwash and end of things. But it's it's a journey. And I think as as pensioners, as as people who hold pensions and investments with these larger fund managers, we should be encouraging them. So. Um, some of your listeners might have might have heard of a, a company called Make My Money Matter, uh, which is being um, set up by by Richard Curtis, the the, the sort of famous movie director, and it's doing a great job in raising the profile around this kind of issue that you can make a difference with your with your pension fund, with your with your pension, and and make make contact with your with your with whoever's holding your pension, whoever's managing, make contact with them, ask them what's in your pension. And if they don't give you a very good answer, there's a pretty good chance that they're, they're, they're holding, you know, some greenwashy stuff. And if they are, then make sure they're being, you know, active and engaging as a shareholder and voting in the right way when there's a shareholder vote. Good advice. I wasn't aware of that. I certainly wasn't aware that Richard Curtis had uh, sort of, was in this space as well. Now, as a final question, I saw that Climate supported Gender Day at COP26, uh, sponsoring the finance discussion with She Changes Climate. How important, in your view, is gender and other forms of diversity in managing the climate crisis? And um, maybe you can tell me a bit about what you learned from the session as well. So we, I mean, at Climate, we think it's super important. You know, women make up actually slightly more than half of the, the world's population, so we need, we need women to be engaged in this, and I think what what she she changes climate, which is a campaign, um, a, a group of very smart ladies have set up and um, are, are, are having impact with. Their campaign is to get more leaders, um, some more female leaders in the negotiations at COP and and other and other events, and it's super important. Right now, I think less than ten percent of the negotiators at COP twenty six. Were, were women, you know, and that's just not good enough. And we try really hard at Climate, you know, half of our team, around half of our team um, are, are women. Um, and we, we try hard to, to keep that balance, um, you, know, in our, you know, in our recruiting process, in our hiring. And it is super important. And I think women have, you know, have a different perspective and can often really um, make a difference. I mean, the, I think the most powerful speech I saw at COP 
was by uh, Mia Motley, the, the Prime Minister of Barbados. And I don't know if you saw it, Rosie. I did, yeah. I re- yeah, it was just phenomenal. Um, and if your listeners haven't, I, re- I really rec- recommend they, 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 they watch it. It was brilliant. Um, super smart woman, very passionate, very engaging, saying a lot of very smart things. So, so I think it is super important. And we're finding, again, back on climates, you know, a big chunk of our customers are women. And I think women seem particularly engaged in this topic or perhaps a bit more engaged than, than, than men um, on, on climate change. And, and yeah, we need to encourage that. We need to encourage that much more. So yeah, I think the She Changes Climate campaign is fantastic. And, and again, I'd encourage your, your, your listeners to, to, to look that up if, if they have a moment. Well, I'm sure we can put something about that in the show notes. Um, I'm afraid that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much, Duncan, for your time, uh, for joining us and for your insights. There's so many um, uh, amazing points of discussion there. Um, I'd also like to thank you for tuning into today's podcast and for listening. We have quite a back catalogue of interviews and panel discussions on the Guernsey Green Finance podcast channel. And you can check those out by searching for Guernsey Green Finance wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a review or a comment. We always love to hear your feedback. You can also find us at guernseygreenfinance.org and we are guernsey.com. You can interact with us on Twitter at gsygreenfinance and at we are guernsey. We'll also have, as I mentioned, links to Duncan and Climate's social media in our show notes. So check those out to hear more from them. And we'll be back soon with another edition of the Guernsey Green Finance podcast. <laughs>